Welcome to Tad Dickel's Leadership and Strategy Podcast, bringing you authentic conversations with leaders about their approach to leadership and their organization's strategy for success. Hello, this is Tad Dickel, the host of the Leadership and Strategy Podcast, and I'm here today with Andrea Bowman. Andrea, can you share a little bit about yourself with us? Sure. Yes. Good morning, Tad. I have been a physical therapist here in Evansville, Indiana for the past 21 years with Pro Rehab. I also am part of Confluent Health. I'm the chief operational officer for Pro Rehab in Evansville, and I'm the vice president of clinical operations for the Midwest region uh, with Confluent Health. Very good. So tell us a little bit about uh, Pro Rehab. We're locally owned here in Evansville. When I started just a few years ago, or 21, we had one office. We've grown now between the Evansville market, Kentucky, Louisville, and Illinois to 40 plus clinics. Uh, so we've grown exponentially and just have a fantastic team here providing physical therapy and occupational therapy, as well as athletic training in the school systems for, for our local markets. So in your role as COO, what, what are your responsibilities for Pro Rehab? Really maintaining our region. Uh, I work very closely with our regional directors. We have five here in Evansville. We have four in the Louisville area. So really overseeing operations, everything from clinical delivery to our patient intake working closely with the billing team, compliance, HR, you name it, wear many hats in our region. Very good. Well, I had a, an experience with Pro Rehab uh, a couple years ago. Uh, Melissa Stevens took good care of me. And most people get injured playing sports. I got injured coaching sports, so uh, <laughs> had a little injury there, but she took really good care of me, and I'm fully on the mend. Very good. Glad to hear that. Our OT team does a great job. Very good. How many employees are with Pro Rehab? Sure. Here locally, we have north of 200 now uh, as we continue to grow and expand our reach. Again, as part of Confluent, we have several thousand uh, from coast to coast. But it's been a lot of fun to grow from both a local market to a regional market and then really a national market and be a, a player in multiple states throughout the U.S. Right. And and I'm based in, in Evansville, Indiana, just like you. And I think it's been interesting to see the growth of Pro Rehab. And I kind of wondered w when I saw that Pro Rehab started in 1999 and you're in so many different markets in this region, what did people do for physical therapy services before? There was always private practice pieces within Evansville. And then, of course, the hospitals, uh, maybe nursing homes, depending on markets. Our real focus on growth was being where folks live, work, and play. When folks need physical therapy or occupational therapy, being able to access care quickly and easily wherever they're at, uh, being able to travel, be accessible has been a real key player for us. And then looking at rural markets as well. Just north of here in Oakland City, we opened that clinic about two years ago. And being able to bring expert-level physical therapy to the market has really helped that community continue with wellness and, and really get back on their feet. So before, they were having a drive. They were having you know, a drive, right. For a while. And mm -hmm. that probably interfered with their ability to receive regular services. Yes, exactly. So when we think of the medical model, Perhaps we see our physicians once a year, once a month, once every six months. So perhaps the drive isn't as big of a deal to drive 30 minutes, 45, or even an hour in some markets. 
But physical therapy, we like to see people two or three times a week as they're trying to rehab and get back to life as fast as they can for whatever injury that is. So being accessible is important and really being able to deliver that care and enhance our community's wellness, uh, health, lifestyles, and, and keep people moving is always our goal. Sure. Tell us about your approach to leadership. I mean, you're now leading a very large company in mm-hmm. this region and, and involved with a, a national company too, like Confluence. So tell us how you approach leadership. Well, from a leadership standpoint, I've been pretty blessed to have some great mentors throughout life and throughout my career. I've always modeled it actually after my dad. Uh, He was a a leader within a company here in Evansville that grew, grew nationally and then globally, actually. And One of his biggest pieces was always to understand the business, know the business, and know his people. So I always respected him for that. And my approach to leadership is very much the same. Being accessible to our people, uh, working closely with our people, and just having a fantastic team where we're empowering them to get better every day. Uh, One of the best things that we see in my partner, Pat Wimpy here and, and Pro Rehab, our, our piece is always letting that person hit a three-point jump shot every day, you know, watching someone grow and develop and get into a leadership capacity of their own is just fantastic. So that's really our, our goal from a leadership side. And your father, Ira Boots, mm-hmm. um, as CEO at, at Barry, he really had this amazing ability to, I, I think, relate with people Throughout the business, anyone he meets, like whether it was probably Wall Street investors down to uh, executive team, his frontline workers, really had a, a great way of uh, relating with people. And I think probably was incredibly down to earth and approachable. Mm-hmm. Very much so. And I think that's important for folks to be able to feel like they're heard, that they have opportunity uh, and they have opportunity to grow within their career. One thing he always taught myself and my brother was if you keep the the top three priorities as God or faith as number one, family, and then work, and then your team will always succeed. If you list those priorities and you try to maintain those priorities within your own life, folks respect that and, and want to continue to grow with you. Very good. Thank you. So tell me, like, as the company has grown how has that changed your approach to leadership and the way you lead? Sure. Great question. Because when we were smaller and perhaps Pat and I's role or my own role was here in the local market, I could get out to clinics monthly and meet with people one-to-one monthly. And as we've grown just from a geographical standpoint within Pro Rehab and then my own role has changed within Confluent, that part is even more difficult to get out there. But I do try to make it a priority to to be out there in the field, um, you know, at least regularly or or when we can, for sure. I'm here in a clinic today. This is my office. Um, so being able to be within and see the daily operations, see our wins, see our challenges, and see how we can improve pieces is important to me as well. And then just being responsive. Hopefully our team knows that at any point in time, you can call, text, teams, email, (laughs) all sorts of ways of being connected now. But being able to respond quickly and be able to triage and help them so that they can be the most successful that they can without 
frustrations on the back end or not being able to connect the dots somewhere. Yeah, there's that there's that shift that occurs in, in many organizations where it's like probably when you first start a pro rehab, you could all fit, all the employees could fit in one room. Right, right. And then all of a sudden now you have hundreds of employees. Yes. And so your ability to to know them all personally and to interact with them on a daily basis is is very limited. So I think it, it really changes how you approach leadership. It very much does. And having a a team as phenomenal as ours is is really where we're blessed. A lot of our leadership team worked together in the first one, two, or three clinics. So we've worked side by side for many, many years. Our folks know the business. They understand the business. And then from an operational side or my side, my job is to really give them the tools to be able to manage their clinic, be able to take care of patients. Uh, taking care of patients is our, our ultimate goal. You know, folks don't want to wait two or three weeks to see somebody to get better. They want to see somebody when they're hurting and, and get in as fast as possible. So making sure we have the tools for them to be efficient and be able to take care of our, our patients and our communities that we live in. Sure. Now, do you still practice as a physical therapist? Well, I did during COVID. We were talking a little bit about COVID prior to this. But since that time, I don't as much anymore in the clinic, uh, just with shifting on, in responsibilities. However, I'm an athletic trainer as well. And through my kids, I find myself on the sidelines a lot and, and perhaps triaging there a little bit. I was yesterday as well. <laughs> sure. Now, tell us about your 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 family. Yeah. So I have five kids. My husband and I both live here in Evansville. Dan is a physical therapist as well and one of the owners of Pro Rehab. And then our five kids who aren't as young anymore. We have my oldest is a freshman at Purdue and wrestles for Purdue. I have two at Modern Day High School, which is where I went to high school. My parents went to high school. My grandpa scored the first touchdown there. So a lot of pride in modern day here in Evansville. And then I have twins in the seventh grade uh, at one of the, the local feeder schools to the high school. How do you balance the demands of your job yeah. with family and, and other personal responsibilities? You know, that has been a challenge over the years. And I think as they get older, becoming more clear, I referenced earlier the three priorities, God, family, work. And making sure wherever I'm at in that space in the day, I'm giving it 100%. Also trying to work on not giving 110 or 120% at work, really trying to stay within the boundaries, which is tricky sometimes. And sometimes it might take a little bit more and sometimes a little bit less. But staying committed to that and then really being present with the family. My kids are all involved in lots of activities and lots of sports and compete at a high level. And I don't miss anything. That's that's one of the commitments to myself and to the kids not to to miss unless I just have five in three different states at the same day, I might not be there. <laughs> and then the other piece that we are, Dan and I are both blessed with is just the community that we live in. I have family here locally that can help if we need it. Dan's family is super supportive and they'll come in town if needed. And then in the west side of Evansville, it's just it's just a community where where everybody chips in and we're really fortunate to be a piece of that community. Great. I think that's really good advice to be present when you are, mm -hmm. because it's so easy to be distracted by emails and texts and phone calls, yep. uh, you know, trying to get that last one more thing done and uh, making that quality time with family. 
And I also think it's it's important to figure out as a leader how to create really like a sustainable work life. Right. Where I think we see a lot of leaders who go all in right away and they they can't sustain that level of energy and that level of commitment forever. And so I think finding this balance where, you know, there are times where you you have late nights or you you're going in really early to crank out some work, but trying to find something that really is sustainable for you. And I think that sustainability evolves over time as well. You know, early in my career, the amount of time that I could give maybe was different than when my my kids are all in high school or grade school. And, and by that, I don't mean that I'm working less than probably 50 hours a week, right? But it's just where does that time shift and that that dedication? And the other piece of it is our team here is phenomenal. And and this isn't a, I decide one day this is what I'm going to do. I, I constantly have to remind myself or recheck myself or check in. But empowering others around you to be able to, to be the phenomenal leaders that they are and to grow. Sometimes one of my weaknesses, if you will, is I like to be in control all the time. <laughs> but being able to relinquish that control and allow others to succeed and maybe fail and realize, hey, you sometimes learn the most from failures in your life and, and being able to be successful from that. And we're all okay to be able to do that as well. Sure. So you've mentioned the team mm-hmm. multiple times and what they do. And I'd be curious to know what you've done like intentionally to develop the team? Well, here at Confluent and Pro Rehab, we really spend a lot of time and energy. And part of our mission is to develop our leaders. So we actually have a leadership development track here. We start with an emerging leaders tract and then key leaders and then PTville, which is where we take our emerging PTs and OTs that are developing into managers or that next leadership piece. We coach them here internally throughout all of Confluent. So this has, again, grown over time from maybe 20 people to now. It's almost two to 300 that we take twice a year to Dallas and uh, for a weekend intensive on-site as well. Then we have our own uh, Confluent Health Managers course. So we're really focusing on outpatient physical and occupational therapy in the private practice sector, maybe a little bit different than a master's of healthcare administration or something different, much more applicable to the actual business that we're in on a day-to-day basis. So that's really the four or five levels of leadership development that we do here. And then again, as things evolve and grow, we just had our very first regional director summit earlier this year as well. So the vice presidents were all together. We teach the course, we develop the course, and work closely with our leaders to, to really grow them. Because at some point in time, we need that next level of leadership and development. We're really conscious about growing around those pieces. That's exciting, I think, to hear about like how intentional you are about developing leaders. Because like many fields, most of your leaders are probably physical therapists, right? Right. And so they come out of school very technically proficient in in helping people through physical therapy, but probably many of them don't have the the natural leadership skills that you need. And, and certainly, 
they may have some natural abilities, but they may, they probably need to be developed. I think that's a great point. You know, so many folks have innate leadership skills and we can often see that in interviews or early on in their career as they can lead patients, they can lead coworkers. But then it's getting to that next level from a management side where we might have to have crucial conversations. We might have to we might have good days and bad days and how do we manage that with our local teams? How do we manage financials? How do we make sure we're profitable? And from what you just said, you know, what we learn in school as PTs and OTs is very technical oriented. And we might get a little bit of business management in there, but being able to apply that in the setting that we're in is important as well. You know, private practice, which is where I live, is different than hospital setting, is different than skilled care. And being able to really hone in on what it takes to be successful in the private practice sector, which is where we work, is important to us and, and being able to develop that. How aware are your new employees or new hires of the like leadership development opportunities that are in the company? Very aware. So we begin talking about these pieces on our very first interviews. The employees that we're looking for are ones that want to grow within their career, both clinically looking at board certifications. Confluent Health leads the U.S. in the number of board certified therapists. CHGs in the instance of occupational therapists or some PTs as well, board certified ortho and sports are really the worlds that we live in. We want clinicians that want to to grow, looking at residencies, looking at fellowships, and then looking at leadership development. Oftentimes when they're coming in as new graduates, we're really focusing on those clinical skills because that's super important early on, being able to manage patients, be able to give that expert level care, and then begin to transition to those leadership pathways as they're ready. So we kind of talk about really a five-year progression on that. You know, let's get in, let's work towards our board certifications, and then let's see where, where do we land? Where are your ambitions? And then how can we foster that? We also have a program called the Academy of Clinical Excellence or the ACE program where we assign our new hires, our new graduates, mentors, so they can help assist both in the clinical development aspect and then the leadership development aspect as they're ready and and ready to embark on those next pieces. That's great to hear. There was a study that McKinsey put out maybe a year and a half ago, and they looked at what are the gaps between what employers think employees want and what employees actually want. And one of those big gaps is on career development pathways. Okay. And so when people are hired into a company, they really want to know what what are the opportunities in terms of moving up within the company. And employers often underestimate the importance of that. And so it sounds like you have a really great program that's really set up to to spell out here are the opportunities to to grow clinically here are opportunities for advancement and leadership and here are training that's available or here are the the skill sets that you need to get there yeah having that infrastructure we find is important we don't want to just talk about oh yes we'll develop you but here's our actual programs our actual leadership tracks and we're continually improving these they're not just a a book we picked up one day and plugged in Pat and I have been involved with the PTville, if you will, for, gosh, maybe 15 years before we even came together as Confluent. And it, it's really grown and evolved to meet the demands of today's workforce and the private practice sector and what we're needing. So 
Sure. Many companies are struggling with the ability to recruit and retain employees. Tell us how how your experience has been in recent years. So recent years is much different than prior years, I would say, uh, for sure on that. We have had to be way out in front on the recruiting aspect. We often sometimes compare it to collegiate sports, collegiate athletics, being able to start recruiting early with our PTs and OTs, touch base when they're high school even, you know, folks looking at the career. Pat and I both go out and do early entry mock interviews with students, really try to get for rehab's name out there and grow physical therapy, the profession as a whole. And then once folks get to PT and OT school, we are constantly taking students on their clinical rotations. I would say we've even improved our recruiting efforts, particularly in the past 12 to 18 months, being very intentional when our students come that we want you as part of our team. We do what we call regional rounds on Friday afternoons, once a quarter, where we're going over some clinical topics, inviting folks to that so that they can see under the hood, what is pro rehab really and truly, how do we develop folks? And we want you as our team. So. Great. So it sounds like you're, you're doing a lot in the recruiting space when you're using clinical opportunities as a way to engage and to introduce prospective employees yeah, to, to the business. And then what about the retention piece? So from a retention side, that's really where we find that mentorship, that one-to-one coaching early on that we're doing with our team, and then providing those clinical and leadership pathways really for that career growth and development So often, folks, where do we want to land? What do we want to be? We know we might want to be a PT, but what space do we want to practice in? Where do we want to live? And does this change at all as perhaps our life changes? You know, we get married, we have kids, different things happen. So being able to really focus on this is the pathway that we can provide you. This is how we'll support you in that career development And then going back to just leadership in and of itself, we find it's very important for all of our clinic directors, our clinical leaders, our regional directors to really have relationships with folks. People want to come to work with people that they have relationships with and being supportive in the workplace, but having fun outside of the workplace. And we really try to do that as well. Sure. Yeah. I think um, like the Gallup engagement uh, One of their areas is, you know, do I have a best friend at work? And that doesn't necessarily mean like this is my best friend in the whole world, but it means that I have people like I enjoy talking to and that I, you know, might enjoy hanging out with after work every once in a while. And then I think another criteria is on I have somebody that talks to me about my progress or, or my supervisor carry, cares about me as a person. And so I think those, those relationships go a lot further than we even recognize. I absolutely agree with that. And, you know, folks that are most successful feel supported, feel like they're thriving within their, their workplace. We use the Strengths Finder tool with our new hires as well. Um, and our team members. And we keep those. It's kind of funny. I just had to report mine again. And I think I took it 15 years ago. So looking back at what those strengths were, and it is somewhat uncanny how that thing can predict uh, where your strengths may lie. But being able to relate with folks on those. We also use the Enneagram tool as well. 
just as we're being able to connect and foster relationships within the workplace, making sure we're communicating on levels that make sense for folks, because each person's a little bit different. Right. I think those tools are a really good way to to increase uh, self-awareness of the right. person who takes the assessment, mm-hmm. but then also to learn more about the team and yes. appreciate differences and appreciate strengths. And, and I encourage employers to use whatever tool they think works well. And, and those are two, you know, very established tools that are in the industry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're pretty effective for us and what we use them for, for sure. Have there been any setbacks that have influenced you as a leader that you look back on and you think, wow, that didn't go exactly as I had hoped or maybe something that kind of influenced how you lead now? Sure. I can look back at several moments throughout my career. Now, I've been here 21 years. So while we have all sorts of great leadership and development pieces now, when I was developing 20 years ago as a leader, we didn't have all these <laughs> courses that talked about crucial conversations and being above and below the line and Enneagrams and strength finders. So being able to perhaps go through the weeds um, in, in different areas that I can, I can say I would have done differently, I think that does allow us to coach now in a different standpoint than than where we were then. And the the tools that we deliver to our folks now are are much stronger. Probably one of the most challenging pieces, and although recent, was COVID. And it was just how do we make sure our team knows that they're supported? We're doing everything we can. We didn't lay anyone off, and we're very proud of that during that time. We all worked together as a team and sure some of us had to take PTO and we all had to really work together to make this thing jive, particularly early on. But we did. Our team really came together and did a phenomenal job. But it was maybe one of those times where you were, we were diving in full work <laughs> for a couple of weeks trying to figure out what was what. And it was definitely a challenge. And we learned a lot coming out of it. I also feel like you can fail once, learn from your failure. Just don't fail twice on the same thing, right? So failure is okay. We just got to learn and be able to apply ourselves differently in either that same situation or a similar situation that comes at us later on down the road. Great. So coming out of the pandemic, how has that influenced how you do business? From a clinical delivery end, we tried to keep things as normal, whatever normal means now, but as normal or as streamlined as as folks knew it. We stayed open throughout. We took care of our patients. We thought it was very important to take care of people that are in pain that wanted to get back to function and maybe just needed the outlet to be able to get out and, and communicate with someone. From an operational side, I believe it's allowed us to leverage technology. It's allowed us to grow to expanded markets it really honed in on what we use as operational metrics, uh, what we had to learn to really run efficient and profitable during that time. We've been able to expand and leverage some of those metrics as well. Where perhaps before, yeah, we managed, we knew our business very well. But when times are challenging, you learn what levers to pull to, to be able to be successful in that time frame and then be able to maximize on that, I'll say, in future times. Yeah. How does that influence how you meet with people? Like not not necessarily, 
your, your patients because most of that is probably in person. Right. But how how about like meeting in person versus virtual with like employees and and maybe other partner companies or just sure. tell us a little bit about that. Well, Teams has been incredibly effective for us. So I'm on Teams a lot, all day, every day, probably. Really trying to make sure we keep cameras on during that so we can stay connected and see people's faces. I think that part is important. And folks have been much more adept at using technology. Now, I'll go to one example. And some of this is due to growth. Some of this is due to increased in regions. But we have what's called quarterly summits where our managers all get together and present their financial metrics for the quarter. We used to always do those in person. They would be four, six hours. They would be here in a big conference room. And that just logistically, as we've grown, has become more difficult. However, we still need intentionality. There's something about bringing folks together in one room that's powerful. So we ended up now, we do one quarter virtual on Teams, and then we do one quarter in person. And being able to foster both allows efficiency, but allows that power that happens when folks come together in person and commu- can communicate outside of a screen. Yeah, I think we have to find this this balance between like virtual efficiency, which we all like and it's right. it's flexible and sometimes I'm guilty of cramming a lot of meetings in a row virtually, but there's that human piece that's really missing like we are human by nature and we are social creatures and so there is a social piece that's missing when we are meeting only virtually. And so I think companies need to figure out ways. When can we bring people together in person? Mm-hmm. When is virtual okay too? Right. The other piece to that I find is just attention. So when we have folks together in one room, for the most part, we know we're all attentive to that subject going on. Sometimes in teams, it becomes very easy. And I'm guilty myself. Emails are popping up, messages are popping up, and you're able to triage on multiple monitors at one time. So really being able to give that full attention. And as you said, we're social creatures. We want to feed off of each other and interact with each other. So definitely trying to find that that balance. It's a constant work in progress, but we feel like we've made good progress to that for sure. Sure. Yeah. I think sometimes like we need to think about just like the length of a meeting. Mm-hmm. So when I do leadership training, for example, I probably wouldn't recommend anything over like 90 minutes right. to two hours virtual. I mm-hmm. mean, it's even that is a real stretch. It is. And so I think sometimes those short blips can be really effective and, and uh, efficient virtually. But if it needs to be extended, it really probably needs to be in person. Right. I, I think that's a very good point. Being able to stay connected for 90 minutes on a, a virtual meeting is tricky. And we've tried to break ours off into bite-sized pieces. So our managers meet in what we call their weekly huddle so within their pods or their region. And they do quick 15, 20-minute huddles each week on Teams and reporting metrics, just discussing different things. Very quick something they can act on quickly, but yet they, they all connect once a week. And, and then, of course, we have additional meetings from there, but that's been helpful as well. Right, yeah, I think that can be really an effective way to, to use people's times mm-hmm. and to reconnect and to 
make sure it's very focused. It's almost like what what some companies were doing with like stand up meetings right. before yeah. the pandemic, where it was like a fifteen minute stand up meeting where you reconnect, make sure you you're discussing goals, you're on the same page, and then you go off and and do, do some thing. work. Mm-hmm. What's interesting in our business as well is we've always I don't want to say we were remote, but unlike perhaps an industry or a factory where everybody's on one ground, we've always had multiple clinics. So we've been challenged since really the conception of being able to operate in multiple different facilities and how do we intentionally stay connected while the virtual technology has probably allowed us to become more connected uh, versus on telephone in, in the old days. This the technology piece has been super helpful for us in the past years. Yeah, definitely. Now, what would you say you're most proud of as a leader? I'm actually most proud of my family <laughs> being able to say that we're both able to be working parents and foster that with our kids and that they've been successful to date is what I'm most proud of, to be honest, outside of family. So I'll take that off the, the table. It's really been the growth of our team. So starting with one clinic when I started working 20-something years ago to, to our footprint now and watching our clinic directors just do a phenomenal job, watching our regional directors grow into those roles in the past couple of years, that is by far what I'm most proud of, watching those folks succeed on a daily basis and grow and learn and be able to apply. Uh, and challenge myself and Pat on a daily basis. You know, I very much respect their opinions and their challenges that they may bring forth to to look at different aspects of that. So most proud probably of my family, but definitely second most proud or equally as proud of our team and the growth that they've had in, in the past 20 something years. That's awesome. Great. Thank you for sharing about both family and, yeah. and work. Yeah. What about as you've planned for growth as a company, what has that looked like? I mean, 20 years ago, did you say we want to be this big? Did we? Did you say we want to serve a region this size? Tell us about how you've kind of planned for that, that growth as a company. I wish. I wish we were that <laughs> thoughtful and insightful, but no, that's not where it's been. Um, truly... Our mission and vision has always been to serve our communities and to serve our patients. And where does that lead us next? We've always had a mindset of growth. So that has always been on the table. You know, where can we look to provide increased physical therapy and occupational therapy options to communities? And and that has been more of our roadmap than okay, we're going to open, you know, five clinics next year or 25 in five years. So it's really been an intentionality around those pieces. I used to drive around on Friday late afternoon evenings and find that next clinic spot. Now we have a little more sophistication in that and, and resources to do that. But that growth mindset and really serving our communities is, is where can we grow and, and provide the best level of care to folks? And has most of the growth been a new location or has it been acquisition of existing practices? A little bit of a combination of both. We've had some great partners that we've been able to to partner with and grow both here locally and in the Louisville market uh, as of late. 
I would say most of our growth has been organic, looking at de novos to this point. Now, I definitely sense a shift in the marketplace. And I say that the organic growth, and that's more local to pro rehab. But as I look at our partner expansion from a confluent side, I would say, you know, acquisition or, or partnerships have been the real driver there. And I, I definitely sense a shift in the market as folks are looking at from an infrastructure side or healthcare is just, you know, we're, we're fine tuning dollars all the time, trying to be very mindful of that piece. So how can we help support perhaps smaller practices or even larger practices that are looking for that infrastructure and backbone to be able to grow into the, the next years themselves? What do you think the future looks like for pro rehab? I think it's awesome. Uh, You know, we have a great footprint here in the Southern Indiana, Western Kentucky marketplace and just opened our third clinic in Illinois a couple of weeks ago. Uh, So the good news is folks are in our communities and need our services. So we have awesome leaders. We've talked a lot about leadership development and allowing them to step forth and and open those clinics and grow. So I think the future is great. I think we're sitting in a great spot in the healthcare industry uh, from a a provider cost standpoint, you know, really and truly being that first entry pathway for musculoskeletal care is is huge. When folks have pain, they want to see someone quick. They don't want to wait a couple of weeks to get in somewhere. So having that accessibility and that, that growth and that flexibility is always our mindset. And we have the best team to to take it into those next years. Great. So this could be personal. This could be professional. What's something that you're excited about right now in this region? Well, if we go personal, wrestling NCAAs are this week. So I am a huge wrestling fan. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll say, unlike everybody else in the U.S. that's probably excited for March Madness, basketball this week is uh, wrestling NCAAs. Uh, personally, I think if I'm going to go from a professional mindset, I think I'm most excited about the opportunities that present our communities from a wellness and accessibility side. So Indiana, a couple of years ago, opened up direct access. So speaking specific to our communities, people can access physical therapists today, tomorrow. They don't have to go through the channels of getting referrals and and perhaps being backlogged there. So being able to be an adjunct to our physicians and our our healthcare providers to help triage folks with musculoskeletal care, I think there is a lot coming in that in the upcoming years and being able to get folks back on their feet faster. Very good. Well, that's exciting. I hope you enjoy wrestling. And then I also hope we can continue to provide access to people with for treatment options. That's that's exciting, too. It is. It is. Having those options and accessibility are just important. It's important to myself or our community to be healthy, to be well, to be doing what they want to do. And I think if we can foster that sense within our communities, our communities continue to grow. And what a fantastic community we have here in southern Indiana. Andrea, thank you for being with us. This is Andrea Bowman with Pro Rehab. She serves as COO there and also a VP with Confluent Health. And uh, thank you again for joining us today. Thank you. It was a lot of fun. Appreciate it. To learn more about Dr. Tad Dickel and the T.A. Dickel Group, please visit tadickel.com. Thank you for joining us.